Thank you, Brad. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm Cecily Rautman. I'm the founder and president of the Jewish Pro-Life Foundation. I met Brad at the Renew America event in Las Vegas, and he so graciously agreed to interview me. So here we are, and I'm so honored to be here on Awakened Nation. A huge shift is taking place on planet Earth. People seem to be waking up. Tired of the way things used to be, they are creating something brand new and changing the world we live in. My name is Brad Zalas, and I get to sit down with the next generation of idea makers, the disruptors, and the game changers. Everyday people, just like you and me, from all over, who are doing amazing things. Welcome to Awakened Nation. Um, I started the Jewish Pro-Life Foundation in 2006. I was listening to a national public radio show a year before that, that was reviewing the ban on partial birth abortion that the Supreme Court had passed. There was an appeal going up to that. And on that show, there was a Jewish woman screaming about her right to infanticide based on her civil rights and her right as a Jewish woman. And I was appalled. At that yeah. time, I was clueless. I was not involved in the pro-life movement at all. I just thought that sounds really bad. And people listening to this show are going to think once again, that Jews are baby killers. <laughs> <laughs> and do we really need to go back to the blood libel in the, you know, in uh, the 21st century? So yeah. I, um, I started thinking about starting the Jewish pro-life foundation and I did my research. And the more I learned about child slaughter in the womb, the more I was appalled about it. And I was convicted I, I like to joke, I was kind of like Jonah. No, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not the right person for this job. But in the end, of course, once it comes to the will of God, and I yeah. started it. And I'm really glad I did, because now, of course, the radical abortion Jewish left has gotten even more vocal and monopolizes the establishment Jewish media and many of the organizations. So we are a lone voice for the most part. Um, standing up for a Torah-based, life-affirming Judaism, and I'm glad we are a voice. Um, So our mission basically is uh, to promote life-saving alternatives to abortion in the Jewish community. Uh, We provide much-needed pro-life education and Jewish-friendly pregnancy care and adoption referrals, and we have a healing program for Jewish women and men who suffer after abortion. And we do that all by promoting a Jewish life-affirming voice in the public square. And what we were doing in Las Vegas was building a bridge between Christian, evangelical, pro-life conservatives with the Jewish community, the Jewish Mm -hmm. pro-life community. And I think it's so important. Um, I've met so many wonderful Christian people who (laughs) have gotten quite irritated with the unrelenting radical left messaging coming out of the Jewish establishment culture. And then when we they meet me, they're they're obviously relieved. <laughs> they're <laughs> shocked. What? Wait, who is this? <laughs> but actually we represent authentic Torah Judaism. I mean it's not by accident, yeah. right, that in Genesis we are told whoever sheds the blood of man within man, so his blood be shed, and you were yeah. made in the image of God and be fruitful and multiply. I mean, that's at the very beginning of the Bible. So hello, it's pretty easy. Yeah. So anyway, that's what we're about. And there's lots going on here. And I'd love to share a little bit more about that. 
we're going to go into that. I was going to start out asking you, how did, how did you get started with this? Uh, basically, how did you get started with this? And you answered it. So thank you. Um, you and I met at the Clay Clark Reawakened America tour here in Vegas. And you were with uh, Moisha. He was walking around and we started chatting. Then I met you. And I always find it interesting how you know people meet in this world and there's so much commonality uh it just it it makes me laugh you know we hit it off right away you know because we were talking about certain things and i spent 35 years in new york city and i've been to passover i mean i i have friends in your hasidim uh orthodox uh observant non-observant i mean you know it's so i understand jewish culture being being um exposed to it in new york city so much but what fascinated me about our conversation when we first met was this. You don't usually think that Jewish people would even be into abortion because their numbers have been so decimated through the centuries. So to hear you stand up and say, hello, it's almost a conversation that I didn't know that I needed to have. And so I want to thank you for doing that and bringing it out. Have you had surprises from people who look at you and go, wait, I never thought of that before? Yes, I have. Because just as you say, considering our history and that we've been targeted for genocide, it, it seems in almost every generation, you would think Jews would be aware and at least empathize with the child in the womb um, and not want to target that child for slaughter right right so that's one part of it and just in general but we are now um about 90 percent of jews believe that child slaughter in the womb is morally acceptable in all or most cases hmm. so that means that 90 percent of jewish culture is spiritually sick because they have disengaged from a conscious contact with god because anybody with a conscious contact with god finds the idea of slaughtering any innocent person, especially our most vulnerable, as abhorrent. Yeah. You know, when the when the mind is sound, it doesn't even have that thought in it. But so many Jews, through whatever assimilation or disengagement or whatever, have been so um seduced, right, by these humanistic secular ideologies yeah. that they have forgotten their past. My dad, God rest his soul, used to say, you can't deny you're a Jew because they'll never let you forget it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, Your dad no. was a wise man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Um, what I find kind of bizarre to, to me is we are in a day and age where there's such um, opposite beliefs, you know, we're, and people are angry at a level that, you know, back 30, 40, 50 years when I was a kid, if someone said they believed in this, you're like, eh, okay, you believe in that, whoop-de-doo, and you, you didn't get upset. Now everybody wants to fight, and I'm just astounded at people who fight against their own interest as a, as a group of people, as a tribe. You know, I just had Dove Barron on, and Dove talked about humans are tribal. You know, and I believe that one of the first cultures on earth was, you know, the Israelites, the Jews, you know, tribal. Why would you destroy your own tribe? Does that, that makes no sense to me. 
Well, that's because you're a sane, sensible person. What? I will, <laughs> I will, I will say that the, the history of the Jews from the very beginning <laughs> had a little bit of a glitch in it, right? So we go yeah. all the way back to Adam and Eve. Eve decided, ah, uh, we don't really need this creator. We're going to go our own way here, eat this apple, right? Yeah, yeah. So immediately things went sideways. And then, and then of course, you mentioned the Israelites. Well, when Moses led the, the Hebrews out of Israel, he brought a mixed multitude with them. And so mm -hmm. you had all these people that lived in a slave mind, right? They were basically, a lot of them living as pagans. And it's my understanding that God told Moses, you know, you might just think twice about taking the mixed multitude out of Egypt with you, because of course the element went out with them. And so it wasn't, he wasn't uh, five minutes late coming off of the mountain, right? And they were right. back to their old business. So there is this concept of the era of Ra, the enemy within, that has right. been involved with Judaism for, uh, you know, since the beginning. And I think of it as, so perhaps there's one degree of deviation, you know, generations ago, and each generation, the deviation gets wider until now. Of course, it's so obvious, the enemy within. It's so, uh, it doesn't even want to hide anymore. And you're right, it is against our interests. I, I think often that people benefit, you know, either monetarily or are they're, or they're empowered in terms of their reputation from gaining this kind of position. There were people, for example, in Hitler's Germany that collaborated with the Nazis. Yeah and helped Hitler round up the Jews. And they benefited, right? Their families weren't uh, escaped. They weren't yeah. attacked. And then they went to Israel. And this is a very interesting part of it. You know, the Zionists that formed Israel were part of this group, this Arab Rav group. And that's one of the reasons Israel is so secular today, the way the government was set up. It wasn't Torah-based, right? It was based in this collective socialism. <laughs> right. And so there's now there's a lot of problems fighting in Israel too. They're, they have a new government that's right leaning, and so they have people that are more Torah based and God centered, and they want to try to change the equilibrium there. And they're having a lot of trouble. And I, I in terms of the hostility and the fighting, um, I think when people don't have a good sound basis and a good moral code, what are they left with? Right. All they can do is attack yeah. and cancel people and and people that do have a good biblical foundation and a good secure inner confidence in God's will and guidance in the world. We don't have to we don't have to get angry and fight, but we do have to stand and protect and defend. Yeah, I think they want control and control comes from fear. Fear that if you guys got in power, or this group got in power, or if the conservatives got in power, that they would be wiped out somehow. And I think he hit the nail on the head. You know, uh, people like George Soros was uh, his family was involved in doing exactly what you talked about in Nazi Germany, and then to find out years later, these people have no connection to God. Well, that explains why we have the laws we have and some of the. Uh, incidents we've seen um it, it's actually divergent you know it's like if you believe in god you, you don't worry so much about control you know you're not trying to stop your fellow man simply because um 
you're under God's law. You know that God will take care of everything. And so watching this has been um, astounding to me. I'm actually, you know, I grew up in a certain generation and I am seeing things happen here in my own country and around the world that I never thought I would ever see ever. Well, I think they're called civil liberties for a reason because people used to be civil. <laughs> yes. Yes. I remember those. <laughs> those were the days. Well, there are people that oh, they talk about the end times and we're moving into those now and that there's this, you know, cataclysmic event that's in the in brewing right now. It's very interesting. I see it more um, in terms of human nature. So human nature is really difficult. I know a woman that likens human beings to chimpanzees, our nearest relative, right? They yeah. have what in Judaism, we say people are endowed with an animal soul, their instinctive soul, and then a godly soul, right? Which moderates and controls the instinctive instincts of a human being. But right. chimpanzees don't have a god, a godly soul, and they are really, really aggressive and um like just crazy if you ever yeah. see them in a in a tribe in their tribe right they rape pillage murder steal not nothing is off the table in in a chimpanzee in a chimpanzee's family so mm. people are very much like that that's why <laughs> i think it's important to understand the way people really are and then also the human mind is so vulnerable to suggestion and modeling and one of the things that I talk about a lot is how important it is to not believe everything you think. People uh, idolize their intellect, especially intelligent people, well-educated people, people that spend a lot of time in higher education or come out of families where that's important. Yeah. Unfortunately, most Jewish families are like that. And, and uh, <laughs> little boys are taught that they're Moses and little girls are taught that they're princesses. <laughs> So why would we actually lower ourselves to actually look at how we think and question what our views are? So we're, we're very wedded to them, but unfortunately we're human. And so the mind can be bent and distorted and warped in such a way. And then we're told that we're virtuous and sophisticated and smart. That's <laughs> and so funny. we're right. So it's, in fact, I, I wanted to share, we had a, there's a, there's a very important rabbi in Jewish history called um, Moses Maimonides. He, he's a direct descendant of King David. This was a remarkable man that lived in the 12th century. And he, he wrote a book called The Guide to the Perplexed. Because in his time, <laughs> I, like that. I like that title. In, in his time, the people were just as confused about religion and theology and God and faith as we are now. And so he wrote this book, and he says in this book, I just want to quote this, he says, men like the opinions to which they have been accustomed from their youth. They defend them and shun contrary views. And this is one of the things that prevents men from finding truth, for they cling to the opinions of habit. Wow. He was a very smart man. Add to that people's fear of being attacked, canceled for speaking out, even to family members or friends, especially and their peer group and their professional group. One of the reasons we have such a problem with Jews speaking out on the right, especially on the life issue, and we do have, you know, if there's 90% that <laughs> are the anti-human crazy people, 10% 
lean right into Torah, right, into right. life. And I would say 7% of those don't say anything. The more observant people that you met in New York City, they're afraid to say anything. We've been attacked enough in history, right? Yeah. Especially when you have a, a culture where the, the people that riot and break windows and steal and murder are just, there's no bail anymore. You just get let out again. There's no consequences. They're afraid that in this age when anti-Semitism is growing, um, it's going to, they are going to be the, the target of that. So they don't say anything. They're fear-based. They're yeah. afraid for their community. So this is another problem. So you have to actually be fearless that's one of the reasons I like the Renew America events, because well, well, people think, are not afraid. Yeah. Well, I think it's part and parcel of uh, this kind of idea, you know, and that is the silent majority is highly spiritual, highly believing in God, and uh, they aren't what the left calls them, uh, but they don't have the chutzpah there see how you yes, see it, right. to stand up and as a group say, Hey, we've had enough. It's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm more conservative and libertarian and I'm, I'm astounded at the disruption that takes place. And I literally don't know what to do except say, Hey, I don't believe in that. <laughs> you know, there isn't like, so when you go to Clay Clark's um, event, reawaken America, you look around, you're like, wow, there's more of us than I thought, <laughs> you know, that that's kind of what happens. Uh, am I, am I right on that one? Oh, yes, you're right a lot, Brad. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to, to question myself. You know, I, was, I honestly, I, I was one of those people who I guess I got indoctrinated into the whole science side of everything. And I would say to myself, well, yeah, a woman has a right to choose, you know, and abortion is up there in uh, our modern vernacular and should be treated just like science. You know, we have a combustion engine, we go to the moon and Abortion should be up there for the intellectual and the, the the smart people. And then I started to wake up slowly and I was like, the, the problem is, where does life begin? Okay, so people can argue this, but they have used cameras and they've done all kinds of recording and everything. And they have discovered that when the, the sperm breaks through the egg, there is a pop of blue light. Mm -hmm. So you can't just sit there and say, well, this is a mechanical thing. It's at the animal level. This is divine. The biochemistry and the, you know, the whole part of it, it's divine to bring life into a piece of flesh is at a completely different level that science isn't willing to discuss yet. And so for me, I started to wake up when I started to find out that they were using aborted fetuses and fetal tissue and blood in the pharmaceutical industry. And there was this huge black market that was taking place. And that's when I stepped back and I said, this is evil. And I said to myself that, that no, I can no longer be that. I must be pro-life. Life is the most important thing. It begins at conception. And in certain cultures and religions, the birthday is the conception day, not the birth, the actual physical birth. I believe the Muslims do this. But uh, let's talk a little bit about that, because that's where I believe the disconnect is on the, the, in the other people who don't believe maybe what we believe. When does life begin? Yes. Yes, very good. 
I like to start with the soul that lives beyond the body. Mm. So the continuum of life is actually it, it, it's it's constant. But then yeah. when right when we're conceived, the soul enters the body, and then when we die, it leaves the body again. So we're always actually hanging around wherever. <laughs> That is. I, b- I believe that as well. I do. Okay. We were alive so, before we came into this tiny little vessel. Yeah. Yes. And actually that's proven in the, the Bible where, you know, in the Psalms and the prophets talk about how God knew us before we were formed in the womb. It's it's all actually in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? It <laughs> is. Best kept secrets are there. I, um, I'm astounded as well that the best, most educated people in the world somehow miss this uh, basic education. Uh, and I don't know if it's deliberately withheld from them. I know in the Jewish culture, we're taught, oh, you have to always be on guard for being converted. So don't go near any of that, for example, pro-life information, because that's all Catholics and Christians. And if you go to their information, you're going to end up being converted. And I say to those people, well, if we would be taught the truth, then and that it comes from our tradition. Why would we even be tempted to leave? You know, so this, so right. if you can't hold your people by the truth and by the faith, then you know what good are you? I agree. <laughs> yeah. So that's part of that. And I actually have a beautiful picture on my desktop about that moment of conception that shows that light. It's 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 sublime. And no matter you know, we can clone. And we can do all these infertility treatments and create all these embryos from eggs and sperm, but we cannot create life. And even that the the author of Frankenstein, you know, was trying to do that with some kind of an electric charge. Right. Right. It's a fascinating uh, adventure. But yeah, I I agree with that, that you're right. There's a lot of people in the Jewish community, especially that deny that life begins at conception and it's to just shore up their shaky point of view. But Judaism was the first religion in human history to sanctify human life and prohibit child sacrifice. And that life is from conception to natural death. It isn't from 40 days or quickening or anything like that. And um, so, and there's a, there's a website called the endowment for human development, which has beautiful imagery of the growth and development from an, from conception on and looking at that, well, it's kind of like the people at the discovery Institute who do all this work in terms of, looking at the um, divine engineering and design yeah. of, of the human being and nature itself. When you look at those pictures, you're awed and, and you're humbled because yeah. obviously a God is doing this and does it every second of every moment of every day throughout time. He, he's not just stopping. The, the dynamism of his power is running through us and everything constantly. I was so grateful that I was given that gift of understanding and feeling that it changed my whole life. And I, I look at people who are still in the dark or woke or whatever, and they're lost. And yeah. that's when they get angry. You know, as you said, they're, they're very fear-based um, with an outer locus of control. And you're always yeah. looking for something and it's never quite there. You can never put your finger on it or rely on it. Right. Right. Well, someone pointed out to me, if you don't have God and you you eliminate God and you live in it, eliminate all these different things, what you have left is authority figures in government. And that's why government builds their buildings like temples to the gods, because they want you to worship them in this day and age. So when we get back to God, we're not impressed with that. 
we're not impressed with any of this. This this world becomes a wonderful, joyous place to live when we start to realize we have this divine role to play. Um, you know, call it uh, kismet or wh- whatever, where we we're responsible for this world in many many ways. God put us here to be responsible for these things, and it's very hard to be that <laughs> when you're around people who are sabotaging that. You know, I feel it's 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 it, it's very hard to do. You know, sometimes. How do we get a hold of you? We we reach out to. Yes, uh, JewishProLifeFoundation.org, and you okay. can um, follow us on social media. I have all our links on the website. We have a newsletter, um, and my my email is on there. My phone number is on there. We have rabbis that we work with. You can or, uh, ask a speaker, um, a Jewish pro-life speaker to your okay. event or organization or school or whatever. We are... Just starting an Israel pro-life education project. We just signed a contract with a digital marketer in Israel to bring our education to Israel. Where the the you know people are talking a lot today about the government, like the VA here paying for abortions and abortion tourism for service members. Well, the, the Israeli government has paying been paying for abortions for in the IDF and for their citizens for many years, and. Uh, there is no pro-life discussion in the public square in Israel. Yeah. So we are bringing our our program there. So you can learn all about that on the website. Yeah. You can sign up for the newsletter. We have lots of memes, lots of educational material, a great library, some videos. So yes, that's how you can get a hold of us. Follow us on Twitter and all the different social media. <laughs> Thank you, Cicely. That's great. Um I wanted to point this out, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, people don't, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fascinating read because I'll read it and then I'll say, well, who are these people? Who did they worship? What were they all about? And what people don't realize is child sacrifice to the gods, whatever gods they, you want to call it, was very common. You know, they either worship Moloch or Baal or whoever, and that required sacrifice the lamb had to be sacrificed and so people don't realize we've grown up into normalizing a modern sacrifice today which is what abortion is and i know some people are going to start flipping out you know it's like no it's science blah blah you know in certain communities they've controlled the population through abortion i had yg nightstorm on and he's a black conservative who's uh probably one of the biggest voices in the Blexit movement, the the Black, um, mm-hmm. as, as a group leaving the Democratic Party. And he talks about how the the Black race, African-Americans, whatever you want to call um, this group, that they've literally controlled the population. They've never get past 14%. They're always between 13 and 14% of the population. And they've also found that they always have abortion clinics near black neighborhoods. Always, always, always. And so people can shrug their shoulders off and go, well, they're they're just poor. But Margaret Sanger's mission was to eradicate the black race. She said that. And so we're not surprised today when we actually get here. And by the way, these this is not a conspiracy theory. This is in black and white, written out there. It's in her own you know, books and, and things that she wrote about it. And, 
you look at the result, folks. You don't look at, well, this person is so loving and this person is so giving. Look at the results of the actions of what they're doing. That's first. It's not compassion. It's pretend compassion. And that's what we, some people fall trapped to that. And you, you said it best. Sometimes the most intelligent in our cultures, the most educated, the highest PhDs of the land, can't see the most basic thing right in front of them. Why do you think that is? I think it comes down to idolatry. So the yeah. more educated we are, the less reliant and connected we are to our creator. And then we start idolizing our intellect or our ideas, people. And um, that information and those people many times use us and abuse us for their own benefit. So in terms of the Black community, now originally the leaders of the um, civil rights movement, like Reverend Jackson and those guys, they were all pro-life. But they abandoned their, their people for the benefits and monetary compensation that came from the abortion industry. Yeah, And, and we have kind of a similar thing going on with the Jewish culture as well. I mean, she was no friend of the Jews either, Margaret Sanger. Her first clinic was where the immigrants were, the Jews, the Italians. She thought we were all human wow. weeds. Wow. And so, um, so, but people, like I said, when you're an idolater and, and you worship and give power to reputation and money and all that, then you're easily bamboozled <laughs> into giving up the things that are correct and right in the world. And I also think it's really easy if you haven't been at the point of a gun or a knife or a dismemberment instrument, it's really easy to deny, deny the reality of what's going on. We never actually see yeah. abortion in video. I mean, <laughs> you can't get an abortion video on the internet. The D Dr. Nathanson, who was a founding member of NARAL, a Jewish atheist, you know, he had the big abortion clinic, who uh, he abruptly stopped them when he saw his first ultrasound guided abortion. That was enough for him. And that movie, The Silent Scream, was available on YouTube years ago. I don't think you can find it anywhere anymore now. I mean, it shows a, basically a baby in the womb, a young first trimester baby trying to get away from the vacuum instrument, you know. So we don't, so it's easy to deny the reality. And then we have this peer group and this constant propaganda that, yeah. well, if we do have a thought, a sane thought, it's quickly squashed, right? But it is a lot about idolatry. And when you said when you talked about the child sacrifice, I just made a new meme called "Choose Life, Not Sa Not Child Sacrifice." <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it, that's yes. what it is. Um, George Orwell, I think, said it best in 1984. He said, "There are some ideas so absurd that only an intellectual could believe them." Yeah, George Orwell. Thank you, George. Um, it, it's I've had arguments with people, you know, who are much smarter than me on the basis uh, of just life. And it seems like you're right. They fall in love with their own intellect instead of falling in love with learning and, and perhaps God and perhaps, you know, our own humanity. And I think it was Thomas Sowell who said it best. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing. He says, at the middle of every crisis throughout the 21st century or 20th century, um, you can find an Ivy League school there uh, <laughs> or, or um, you know, Harvard or whatever yeah. he, he spoke about. 
And I, I do believe that. I believe that money has created uh, industrial complexes in everything we have in America. You know, there, and you know this, uh, there are certain foods that are banned in other countries because here in America, they have so many chemicals in them, they can't actually be labeled food. So they won't let them into Europe or Africa even. Um, they just won't because they don't want to hurt their people. But here, you know, we have everything has become an industrial complex, meaning for profit, you know, control, full control, full, uh, you know, systems in place. And you only have five choices in the medical profession. So you don't have anything that has to do with naturopathic medicine, which has been around since the beginning of time. Um, you don't have any of those things in place. And so they created, we have a military industrial complex, which you can see plain as day. We have a healthcare industrial complex, which people are starting to see. We have six healthcare programs and I can't participate in any of them right now. <laughs> I'm not old enough and I'm not poor <laughs> enough. Okay. So we have a system in place, six healthcare programs. You know, we have SSI, we have Medicare, Medicaid, we have the free pharmaceutical um, bill that had been passed under Bush. Uh, we have Congress's uh, medical uh you know, they have their own healthcare system. And then we have Obamacare, which was called the Affordable Healthcare Act, and it's not affordable. So I always say, look at the results, folks, not at what the promise is. And the result is they've created chaos and expenses and things like that. And now we're discovering there's a body part in, in industrial complex. There really is. Yeah, body part industrial complex. And I oh. believe it was, um, who was the guy? Chris O'Keefe, who exposed by interviewing somebody from Planned Parenthood, they were selling body parts and a baby's head goes for 30 grand. Um, blood and other tissue from a, a child goes into our vaccines. Uh, or, sorry, I can't say vaccines. They go into our jabs. <laughs> they come from the pharmaceutical company. Uh, you know, so we we have a crisis right now. And that crisis you know, you're touching on it. It's it's about money. It's about money and power and control. Would you say that that's true or have people not discovered that yet? Well, I was blessed with having a very a body that's very chemically sensitive from a very young age. <laughs> God bless you. You're yes. one of those people. I have so many friends who wound up in the health, the alternate healthcare industry because they grew up with some weird anomaly that nobody could fix. And they realized it was chemicals or it was, they were eating meat all the time, you know? And so that is a blessing, by the way, I didn't want, yes. I, I discovered it now at like 55, you know, and my dad was a chiropractor. That's the worst. Oh. I should have known better. So <laughs> well, I'm sorry it, to interrupt. Go no, ahead. That's okay. It was a great thing because I stopped taking medicine in my teens because it just made me sicker because, of course, it's poison. Right. <laughs> so I've been on a, a health journey for a long time. I actually am at 64, the healthiest I've ever been in my life. Nice. Um, and I've never gotten a flu a flu. Uh, inoculation or anything because in fact when the covid <laughs> jabs came a friend of mine asked me oh did you get your vaccine yet did you get your vaccine yet and i, I said no i'd be one of those people that stroke out after 30 seconds yeah. <laughs> and i know my body so yeah i agree with you the um 
I've I've been following uh, the health freedom movement and the uh, alternative food movement for a really long time. I think it's the reason I'm still alive. And I'm so grateful because being independent of those systems opens up my mind. Yeah. And so I'm not enslaved by this stuff. But it does, you know, freedom isn't free, right? You have to take responsibility for your health, for your prosperity, for your happiness. I have argued with people, I don't want to buy health insurance. I'm not going to buy health insurance. And they, oh, you have to have health insurance. So I have a very minimal catastrophic plan in, in case I get hit by a truck or something. My hospital right. bills will be covered. But other than that, I try to stay away. When I was a little girl, my mother would take us to the local pediatrician. I think I had four vaccinations as a kiddo. I think that's all right. we had. Thank God. Um, and we would just pay directly. It was incredibly cheap and affordable and safe and pleasant there. And then when the third party payers got involved and then the government got involved, it just ruined yeah. everything. And now it's a rigged system. I'm, yeah. I'm nearing my 65th birthday. So people are nattering at me about Medicare. And I say, I don't want to go on Medicare. I know it's the best thing going. They pay for everything. Yes, everything that will kill you and yeah. get you off of Social Security and save the government money. They don't pay for anything that actually heals and promotes you know, healthy living. It's no, they so don't. rigged. It is. I mean, you nailed it. When you and I were kids, they didn't inject you with a vaccine. They took a needle and they put it in a Petri dish and they rubbed your the top of your skin. And then that, that assured that whatever vaccine was in there, whatever virus would get in through the surface of your skin. They didn't take a needle and shove it into you hard. That's why we all have that that mark on our left shoulder. You know, I remember my vaccine. It it was horrible. I got those four that are right here. After that, when my mom met my stepfather, who was a chiropractor, he wouldn't let anybody touch me. He said that's poison, and he's right. You know, uh, and they've done their very very best to brainwash people into believing that. Society wouldn't exist if we didn't have these jabs, you know, <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> what? Um, yes. Well, I have to say in defense of many people, they have that white coat syndrome yeah. uh, where they think doctors are God and doctors like that. Oh, they so they don't it. dissuade people. The other thing is we've, we've been so conditioned to take pills and shots in this country that when COVID came along, I mean, we're just lining up right? Like sheep, because that we're so used to that. Somebody from another culture would look at that and say, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. And then the other thing is our immune systems are a wreck because of the chemical exposures and the medicines and the, the um, poison in the food. So our immune systems don't work very well anymore. And so the doctor who says, well, your immune system needs support. The last thing they're going to do is give you healthy food, sunshine, exercise, prayer, whatever God intended for our immune systems to be healthy. They're going to give us something that will harm us. And there was, um, I read an article that the uh, CDC actually paid the American Center for um, Gynecologists money to promote giving this mRNA to pregnant women. And that's been a disaster. I'm a member of the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs, and they were actually canceled from a conference from the regular, uh, you know, gynecology conference because they're all for abortion, (laughs) all these gynecologists. And even 
midwives are for abortion. Would you believe what? that? <laughs> that's, that's crazy. That is crazy. So yes, I agree. The whole system is a mess. And it's tempting to think, oh, I'll just go live off the grid and get off of everything. <laughs> you can't. Really you live in you live in Pittsburgh. Where are you, you going to do? Take the incline up the, the yeah. hill and disappear? Yeah. 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 I lived in Pittsburgh for three years. I went to college there. So I know Pittsburgh very well. Mm. Uh, we should reach out to you. And uh, how do we get a hold of you directly? Is there any ways or just go to your website? No, Cecily at JewishProLifeFoundation.org is my email. My phone number is 412-758-3269. I welcome phone calls. I love them. <laughs> Good. Reach out to Cecily. Yes, um, that's right. I want to um, maybe switch gears now. And I really, I want to thank you for being on Awakened Nation because um, your voice in the wilderness uh, really, uh, you know, it just stood out when we were at that event. And I love talking to you and Moisha because it was just, it was refreshing. Let's put it that way. Uh, because I don't get a chance, you know, as you said, there's there's the typical stereotype of the Christian right, you know, talking about this. But when you meet someone of your background, um, talking about pro-life and protecting your own culture, your own race, um, it's beautiful to hear that somebody is standing up in the middle of this. And like I said, it's a conversation I didn't know I needed to have. Um, so I want to thank you for being on Awakened Nation. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Now, what did what else did you want to talk about? Was there something? I am going to ask you three lightning round questions, and okay. maybe we can get to know you better. Maybe we can get to, um, you know, go out into the world uh, and leave the show and go, wow, I loved her. Uh, so here we go. <laughs> um, my first question is you talked about your dad um you talked about your family and your upbringing what is your favorite memory from from those days with your parents well my favorite memory of my dad is my dad would wake up every morning you know do his uh morning routine and then he would stand at the window and say his prayers every morning mm -hmm. and I, he just did it every single morning my parents worked really hard they had a small business it was very challenging that business actually they met at a USO dance during World War II, my dad got off the boat. He was a Coast Guard. <laughs> he was in the Coast Guard, and my mother lived in Brooklyn. And they met at a dance and got married about three months after the war ended. And then they came to this little town in, called Sewickley, Pennsylvania, and started a business and worked and raised their family. And they worked really hard, like slaves in Egypt, because my my mom's family came from Romania and my dad's family came from the Ukraine. Very, yeah. very, very difficult living, yeah. right? Generations of poverty, anti-Semitism, war. Yeah. So they came and they wanted to live the American dream. So even though they worked really hard, my dad always took the time to pray. And I always went to the synagogue with him. I had a nice feeling for God when I was younger, although I jettisoned that in my teens, which was a big mistake. Everybody does. Come on. Uh, but that that's really the, the most poignant memory I have um, from my family life. And my mother, she worked all the time. And I, <laughs> I hope she won't be embarrassed by this, but she would work all day and then she would go and lock herself in her office, you know, and do her books. And then finally she would have her bath with her Calgon bubble bath <laughs> and I would sit on the bathroom floor. And that was my time with my mother. Oh, that's so cute. In the evening. Yeah. That is so cute. I love that. 
uh, Calgon, take me away. That's <laughs> yeah. a memory, definitely. Uh, we have a similar background. You know, my grandparents on the Hungarian side, they left Roma- um, Budapest, escaped uh, from the communist invasion in the 20s, and uh, basically came and met in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That's the funniest part. They didn't know each other previously, but they met in Pennsylvania. And then my dad uh, was the first generation born here in the United States. Um, so, yeah, uh, hardworking immigrant families. That's what America is all about. My second question is, is there something that you do um, that you enjoy that maybe we don't know about you? I love being lost in the woods. <laughs> we have beautiful forests in Pennsylvania. And uh, I can find myself lost in the woods and I'm perfectly contented. Uh, And I also swim almost every day. Really? Uh, Yes. Wow. It's it's a great stress reliever. It is. Uh, The buoyancy lifts my spirit as well. And it's nice, kind of a social break. My beloved husband passed in May of this year. And it's been very difficult. (laughs) He, He was not only supportive of our work, but he was just a fun all around wonderful guy who I met in later in life. We, he was 55 when we married. I was 44. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yes. And we made a go of it and I miss him a lot. So I'm, um, it's kind of hard to be uh, happy right now, <laughs> to be yeah. honest, but I'm every morning I get up and I just, I say, okay, you know, I'd rather just lay down and die and go be with Tommy right now, <laughs> but I'll do what you want me to do today, Lord, because that's, that's the deal, right? I learned early in my life that if I go my own way and insist on having my own way, things get bad really fast. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't do that anymore. I just say, you know, I swear allegiance to you today and you just give me my chores to do and I'll do my best to do them. And all of a sudden I find myself swimming or taking a walk and my mood is better and I get to the end of the day and I sleep soundly and I'm so very grateful and kind of odd uh, how that works really. Yeah. God bless you. That's hard to lose somebody, especially if you waited so long in life mm-hmm. to meet that person. Uh, but I always find it to be kismet. You know, it's, it's uh, I have a lot of Yiddish and Jewish words in my vocabulary from living in New York city, but it is uh, a lot of kismet right there when you meet that perfect person that you just have so much joy with and connection and life. So uh, God bless you for that. Thank you, by the way, for sharing that. Um, I have one more question, third question. Um, what makes you cry? Well, I visited my husband's remains yes, uh, Tuesday and I cried then, <laughs> believe you me. Um but I, you know, I'm moved to tears when I feel the presence of God very strongly in my heart. And to share an example of that, I can read something for you that always yes, makes please. me cry. Yes, please. Okay. You just find it here. Um, Take your time. Yes. We have these wonderful rabbis that have written some beautiful, beautiful essays um, about Judaism and life. And this one was written by. Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of blessed memory. He was the chief rabbi of England for many years. He passed several years ago um, from cancer, and this is what he writes. And I always cry when I read it. He says, to be a Jew is to be willing to challenge the prevailing consensus. Power allows us to rule over others without their consent. 
As the Greek historian Thucydides put it, the strong do what they wish and the weak suffer what they must. Judaism is a sustained critique of power. That is the conclusion I've reached after a lifetime of studying our sacred texts. It is about how a nation can be formed on the basis of a shared commitment and collective responsibility. It is about how to construct a society that honors the human person as the image and likeness of God. It is about a vision never fully realized, but never abandoned, of a world based on justice and compassion in which, quote, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 11, 9. So that makes me cry because as you started early in the show, the world is not like that right now. No. Right. And we desperately need a transformational experience on a spiritual level in this world. We do. L'chaim. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It was an honor and a you privilege. Can. Thank you. Cecily Routman, thank you for being on the show today. Um, yeah, everybody's going to love you when this goes live. Thank you so much. And thank you for the work you do. Thank you, Brad. Nice to see everybody. <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay. Hey, everybody, tune in next week on Awakened Nation and uh, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for being a big part of the Awakened Nation movement. This is how you can help me and our extraordinary guests. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let's grow this movement by word of mouth. Our success will be because of you. Thank you, and see you next week.